Hello, hello, this is Dr. Jason Lee, uh, clinical immunologist, analogist in Toronto, Ontario. Today I'm speaking with my colleague and friend uh, Walid, who, who is a pediatric emergency doctor at Children's Hospital of Eastern Ontario. He's done uh, great work trying to update and modernize anaphylaxis protocol, and in turn he's raising a lot of knowledge and awareness about anaphylaxis and some of the things that we do wrong um, in the emergency room and uh, elsewhere. Uh, so, Walid, welcome. Uh, glad to have you on board. Thank you, Jason. I'm happy and thrilled to be uh, with you today. All right. So, Walid, uh, take me through uh, what motivated you to look into this, um, you know, entity of anaphylaxis. Okay. So, the work that was done by the Trek, which is translating emergency knowledge for kids, was actually uh, based on. Um, a baseline work that the network did a few years ago. So um, the network is funded by the networks of, of centers of excellence, and they did survey um, across Canada, including multiple pro uh, provinces uh, that included thousands of people trying to know exactly what are the knowledge gaps uh, that the emergency physician across the country needs. So one of the top things that um, people working in the front line um, say that they need more knowledge about is actually anaphylaxis. So um, that triggers uh, the work that we really need um, practical knowledge translation for emergency physicians across the country, not only pediatrician, but also um, adult emergency physicians, also community uh, emergency physician who works across the country. Keeping in mind, the majority of kids actually are treated in community hospitals. Like up to 85% of the Canadian children are actually treated in a community hospital. So this is an area of uh, huge need. Oh, definitely. Yeah. So we know uh, anaphylaxis and allergies is increasing in general. Um, what were some of the uh, things that uh, were done in the old protocols that are no longer in your protocol? And, and tell us the reasons why. Right. Um, so... Uh, the main things we, uh, when we look at the clinical practice, the knowledge gaps uh, we see is number one um, is the recognition of anaphylaxis. Um, number two is the treatment of anaphylaxis in the emergency department. And the third thing is the, um, the education that patients received in the emergency departments. Those are really key issues that any emergency physician should be familiar with. So we try to focus on those three main issues in the new protocol. So starting by diagnosis, um, we know diagnosing anaphylaxis is challenging, especially when people try to use the uh, National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Disease criteria for uh, diagnosing anaphylaxis. It's clinically challenging to do it in clinical practice. So we try to um, simplify the criteria to, be, to make it more practical and usable. Uh, so we are trying to go away from the idea that you need two systems uh, to actually diagnose anaphylaxis. Um, it's in the trick and the bottom line recommendations, we simplify that. So any child who's known for allergy comes in with any respiratory or cardiovascular manifestation, that's anaphylaxis, even if it's an isolated system and that should be treated. And also any diffuse um, cutaneous manifestation should also be treated in a child who's known for a uh, known trigger. And the third thing, if anybody comes in with shock or signs of um, low perfusion, should also be treated, even if in the absence of other 
you know, physical science. So that's really number one thing we wanted to emphasize is if he is establishing the diagnosis, because once you establish a diagnosis, the rest is relatively easy. Absolutely. And, you know, I think you're essentially implementing the World Allergy Organization Criteria 3. Uh, any of the symptoms, it can be single system as long as it's caused by a known allergen. Uh, and that's something that people forget, a known allergen. If you know that for sure the patient's allergic to something, they can have only one system involved as a diagnostic criteria. So, okay, that's great. Um, and what are some of the things that uh, you you know felt that needed changing in the uh, current or older paradigms? Right. So the main, the, the, one of the really very important key issues is the treatment with epinephrine. We know that's an important gap in clinical practice. People don't use epinephrine as a first line. So we emphasize that in the bottom line recommendation. Um, epinephrine should be the first, and it's the most important treatment for anaphylaxis that you should be looking for. Forget about anything else. Um, and uh, we talked about the dosing and the route of administration and some pitfalls about the administration as well in the bottom line recommendations. Absolutely. And yeah, I think one of the biggest pitfalls and mistakes that, uh, you know, physicians uh, do is not giving epinephrine and uh, thinking that antihistamines are sufficient for treating of anaphylaxis, which is not true at all. So that, that's great. Yes, that's very true. And let's also translate to the pre-hospital uh, practice by paramedics. Um, it's unfortunate to see sometimes paramedics um, or at pre-hospital um, professional using um, adjunctive medications like Benadryl, for example, instead of epinephrine, which is the only life-saving treatment. Yeah, great. Um, so that alone, I think, is, is a critical piece. And I remember, you know, when I used to work at the hospital, uh, all the internists and other people, are, they're so afraid to use epinephrine. I'm not, I'm not sure why. Uh, you know, you and I both know that there's no absolute contraindications to use epinephrine. And uh, really, the downsides are, are minimal. So uh, wh why do you think this fear of epinephrine exists? Is it because it's part of ACLS protocols or PEA? Or <laughs> I'm not sure why. I'm actually not, I, I don't know, there, is, uh, there might be a fear that's probably inherited from the adult practice, um, which is not really based on, on science or evidence. Um, epinephrine is very safe, uh, especially when it's given through the appropriate route, route and also um, at the right dose. These are also important things to keep in mind. Um, epinephrine can be a problem when it's given through the wrong uh, route, like an intravenous, which is the wrong route to uh, treat anaphylaxis. Yeah, for sure. So I, I have seen that mistake uh, a, a few times where the one in 1,000 of epinephrine dose was given inadvertently and in, intravenously. So uh, intravenously, we use the one in 10,000 dose. Uh, but yeah, so that does happen typically. Uh, usually it doesn't happen if there's established protocols in place, though, uh, to give things IM intramuscularly. Um, great. So um, are there any other changes you made to the protocol? Right. So the other things we wanted to uh, also highlight in the, in the protocol is um, uh, the use of adjunctive medications. We kind of really downplayed uh, the importance of adjunctive medications because in real life, they really don't make a big difference. Um, starting with antihistamines, um, Benadryl being the most commonly used um, antihistamine, uh, which is also uh, called type inhydramine, um, we clearly say that any sedating antihistamine should not be used in the treatment of anaphylaxis, and that's something that um, I think was um, kind of a surprise for uh, many physicians um, who, who works in the emergency departments. 
because the drug is so familiar and people have been using it for years and years and um, not being aware of um, the side effects and the safety concern about uh, the sedating antihistamines. Yeah, it's almost become ingrained in the culture and psyche of medicine uh, to use uh, ABC uh, Benadryl as the B for anaphylaxis. Um, yeah, yeah it's, uh, it's it's quite unfortunate. I guess the marketing was maybe even too successful for the Benadryl antihistamine. Right. Yeah. Um, did you remove any medications from the protocol? Uh, so, yes, we did remove the Benadryl last number one. We replaced it with uh, more safe, uh, non sedating uh, second generation antihistamines, uh, like cetirizine, for example. Um, yeah, and then we talked about steroids uh, that people also use more uh, commonly than epinephrine, unfortunately. And we said corticosteroids have really hasn't been shown to reduce the reaction severity or prevent by phasic reaction. And that's based on uh, many, uh, like some of the work uh, we did before. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, for those uh, listeners who are not aware, prednisone is a steroid that's given for uh, various conditions. Uh, there's many, many uses of it. But in the setting of anaphylaxis, um, you know, the meta-analysis on this is pretty clear. It does not prevent a secondary reaction or what we call a biphasic reaction. Um, the only way I think it's helpful is if someone has a history of also concomitant severe or moderate asthma. And, you know, you're more likely using it to treat the asthmatic symptoms as part of anaphylaxis or lower airway symptoms. But for anaphylaxis itself, it doesn't do much. And for biphasic risk reduction, it doesn't really do much either. Okay. Any other changes that you wish everyone, every single doctor in Canada would know about or in the world for that matter? Um, in terms of treatment, I think those are really the, the main thing. Um, focus on epinephrine. Uh, do not use sedating antihistamine, and really don't um, rely too much on steroids because they don't work most of the time. And if other emergency departments want to find out about the work that you've done or look at your protocol, uh, wh- where would they go? Okay, so they can go to the Trek website, which is T R E K K dot C A which stands for Translating Emergency Knowledge for Kids. Um, it's a very active website. It's free. They can download um, any of uh, the resources that's posted. So the website uh, goes through the condition. So if they select uh, the condition and fluxes, it will um, show all the resources that's in the website. Um, in the bottom line recommendation also, we talked about the uh, teaching piece, which is very, very important piece um, that we want people to be uh, aware of and utilize. Uh, so we have there the, the anaphylaxis action plan that we develop uh, at our institution, and also some teaching video related to that. Uh, thank you, uh, Walid uh, Al-Karashi, for taking interest in anaphylaxis and you know spreading the good word to your colleagues. Um, you know, I, I think uh, you've done uh, tremendous work, and I do wish and hope that your protocol and the work that you've done is spread to every center in, in North America, um, particularly, you know, in Toronto. Um, I, do, I think there's been a lot of resistance for CMEs and updating this knowledge. So I really hope that, you know, if it comes from a fellow ER colleague, that uh, more people will listen in. Thank you very much. 
Well, yeah, thank you very much, Justin. Um, the, 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 the website has really all the resources that um, anybody need to use to implement in the department, and not only the guidelines, but also you know the preprinted or pathways. So nobody needs to reinvent the wheel. This is already there, so they can utilize it. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you, Jason.